If someone asked me to name my top five songs this time of the year, Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney singing White Christmas would be at the very top of the list. But in the top five of those songs would be a song written in 1963 entitled, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. It was first recorded by Andy Williams on his very first Christmas album. I knew that was something you wanted to know. The song is a celebration and description of the activities associated with the Christmas season. The primary focus is on get-togethers between friends and families. It's also the time of the year when the world at large prepares to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And for some, it is the most wonderful time of the year. For some, it is the most stressful time of the year. And in many instances, for some, it's the most sad time of the year. I recently thought about some things that during this time of the year, Black Thanksgiving is behind us, Black Friday has come and gone, Cyber Monday is tomorrow. And I thought about some things that increase our stress level at this time of the year. See if any of these things ring a bell with you, no holiday pun intended. Shopping for gifts and having enough money to buy them and then having to get those gifts wrapped. Gaining weight. Getting to all the necessary holiday parties. Buying a tree, putting up the decorations, untangling all the strands of lights, and then the lights that don't work that have to be fixed, gaining weight. Cooking a meal. Making enough cookies and bread to give away. Fighting the traffic. Gaining weight. All the stores are out of the gifts you're looking for. And then those three frightening words, some assembly required. Or those three most overlooked words, batteries not included. Having the right clothes for the social occasions. Christmas programs for the kids at school. Sending out Christmas cards gaining weight. Hearing Grandma got run over by a reindeer for the 151st time. Cleaning the house. Having someone buy you a gift that you didn't get a gift for and you should have. Feeling the pressure to make some kind of special family memory this year. Knowing that the year is coming to a close and you haven't accomplished what you intended to accomplish this year. All of your work is due on a rapidly approaching deadline of December 31st. Missing loved ones who've passed away. Paying off the credit cards. Members of your family who snoop around and find where you hid their presence. Did I mention gaining weight? Whether we like it or not, 
whether we're prepared for it or not. The Christmas season has started. And during the next few weeks, a large part of the civilized world is going to be celebrating Christmas. To some, it's going to be a day to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. To others, it's going to be a very happy and generous holiday. It'll be a time for family and a time for the giving of gifts. But you see, the Bible really does not give us the exact date of Christ's birth. And the Bible actually does not tell us to celebrate His birthday. But I think during this time of the year, when the majority of the world is focused on the birth of Christ, it's a good time for us to join in with that and also focus on Jesus Christ while everyone else is focused on it. Does the name William T. Steed ring a bell? Contrary to what my boys might say, I never knew him personally. He was a writer and a son of a Congregationalist minister, and he perished on the maiden voyage of the Titanic in 1912. But he wrote a book in 1894 entitled, If Christ Should Come to Chicago. And if you read the book, in the pages of that book, it challenges the depths of the soul of man. And it also thrills the soul of man at the same time. It's somewhat similar to another book of that same era written by Charles M. Sheldon entitled, In His Steps. And in his steps, Sheldon envisions what would happen if an entire congregation of people for an entire year before they made any move or any decision asked themselves the question, what would Jesus do? That was long before that phrase became a slogan on jewelry or a bumper sticker. But William T. Steed wrote his book, and in a probing way, the book asks, what would Jesus Christ see? Where would He go? What would He say? What would He do if He came to Chicago? Let's bring that a little closer to us. And let's ask, what if Jesus came to center? Where would He go? Whose house would He stop at? Whose door would He knock on? That's a startling thought, isn't it? What if that happened? What if Jesus Christ came to Center, Texas? But I can give you a far more startling thought than that. What if Jesus had not come to Center? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came into this world. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ has made an impact that's deeper than that of any personality that's ever lived on the footstool of God. The Spirit of Jesus Christ pervades every realm of our life. His Spirit pervades literature, art, music, 
Everything. Every aspect of life has been influenced by Christ and by Christianity. So really the question is not, what if Jesus were to come to center? The question is, what if Jesus had not come to center? Where would we be? Where would I be? Where would you be right now, this very moment, if Jesus Christ had never been born? You see, the great tragedy of our day and time is that even for those who celebrate Christmas as the birth of Christ, it really doesn't change people's lives. For the most part, we celebrate Christmas as a great American holiday. Snow and Santa Claus and holly and uh, mistletoe. Family and friends all gathered around the fireplace, hot chocolate and all of those good things. We spend time reminiscing about what Christmas was like when we were kids. The trees get bigger every year. The feasts on the table get bigger with the telling of every story. Then there's the shopping and the parties and all the busy activities that we cram into this season of the year. All of those things are a part of Christmas in our world. But what's heartbreaking is, when everything is said and done, Christmas doesn't really bring any real change to our world. It makes us all a little bit poorer. It makes us all a little bit fatter. And it makes us all a little bit more fatigued. But you see, the purpose of Jesus coming to this world was to change our world. Jesus came to change people's lives. Our life on a daily basis. Our jobs, our relationships, our families. All should be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. The prophet of old spoke of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Word made flesh that came to dwell among us full of grace and truth. The birth of Jesus is an event that's so glorious that all of heaven is filled with the wonder of it. A star is pointing to the manger in Bethlehem with fingers of light. An angel is proclaiming the glad tidings of great joy. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the great tragedy is the wonder of heaven 
is very little shared in our sin-darkened world today. The babe in Bethlehem's manger has grown to manhood. He spoke as a man had never spoken. He showed himself to be the wisdom of God and the power of God. He went to the cross for man's redemption. He broke the bonds of death. He's lifted empires off their hinges and changed the whole course of human history. And in spite of all of that, for vast multitudes of people, Jesus Christ is a mere shadow without substance. Write this down. It's on the final exam. The coming of Jesus Christ should change the way that I live. Because you see, the coming of Jesus allows me to experience genuine love. Because God is love. We've all heard that said so many times and we've sung about it so often. And John tells us in 1 John 4 and verse 8, God is love. It's at this season of the year that the world at large celebrates Christ becoming flesh. And Jesus became a man so that He could free men and women from the power and the penalty of sin. And that's something we should celebrate 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. God became man. And do you know why God became man? Because He loves us. He loves me. He loves you too. He became a man so He could show us the way to Him. It reminds me of a story I read one time about a farmer and some sparrows. It seems it was a cold winter night. Much like some we experienced this past January and February ourselves. And this farmer heard an irregular thumping sound against his kitchen window. And he looked out and watched as tiny, shivering sparrows, attracted to the evident warmth inside and light, beat in vain upon the glass of his kitchen window. He was a compassionate, kind-hearted man. He bundled up. He trudged through the fresh snow to open the barn door for those struggling birds. He turned on the lights in the barn. He spread some hay in a corner. But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he came out of the house, were hiding in the darkness, afraid. The farmer tried various ways to coax them into the barn. He laid down a row of saltine cracker crumbs. He tried circling behind the birds and driving them toward the barn. And nothing worked. Because here he was a man. A huge alien creature terrifying these tiny birds. And the birds couldn't comprehend that he was actually trying to help them. So the farmer went back inside the house and watched. Sadly, as the doomed sparrows would hit the window, 
and perish. And as that farmer watched those sparrows, he had a thought. If only I could become a bird. One of them. Just for a moment. Then I wouldn't frighten them. And then I could show them warmth and safety. It was then that another thought dawned upon him. He had thereby grasped the reason that Jesus was born. So he could become one of us. So that he could be tempted in all points like we were. So he could walk among us and show us the way to God. Jesus became one of us. So you and I could understand God's plan. He became one of us so you and I could find safety. He became one of us so He could save us. It's in the coming of Jesus Christ we get to experience real, genuine love. That's what it says in John chapter 3 and verse 16. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's just how much God loved me. Enough to give His Son for me. Not to condemn me. But to save me. Because by His coming, I get to experience lasting peace. And you know, that's something that all of us need and all of us look for and most of us don't have. Most of us, we spend a great deal of time and energy pursuing peace. But we spend very little time experiencing peace. Decisions that we've made in the past. Actions we've taken in the past often haunt us. And sometimes our desire to lead a more fulfilling life keeps us awake at night. Sometimes questions about what could have been or should have been often plague our minds. We want to be fulfilled. We want to be satisfied. We want to be complete. And yet, sometimes we lack that fulfillment and that completeness because we lack peace. And rather than our days being filled with peace and confidence, our days are often filled with stress. And worry. And often at this particular season of the year, that sensation of stress and worry is heightened because everywhere we turn, we hear so much talk about peace on earth. And we can't experience peace in our own lives. With the coming of Jesus Christ, you and I can experience peace. We can experience peace with God. Paul would write in the Roman letter, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, and tell us that we can have peace with God. How, Paul? Through Jesus Christ. The baby that was born in a barn and laid in a manger came so that I could have peace with God. Sin is what separates us from God. 
sin is what puts us at odds with God. And Jesus came to pay our sin debt and bring us forgiveness. His death on the cross paid the penalty for those sins. And if we accept His sacrifice and the forgiveness that His sacrifice provides, then you and I are made right with God. And when the relationship between man and God is fixed, guess what? We have peace with God. Much of the lack of peace that we experience in our world and in our lives is because we know we have messed up. Is there anybody in here that can't remember at some point in their life when they messed up? Well, I didn't see any hands come up on that. Which is probably a good thing because the first person that raised their hand just messed up because they told a big fib. You see, all of us have messed up and we know it. We know we've done things wrong. Norma tells me every day how many things I do that are wrong. We know we haven't lived God's kind of life, God's way. And we sometimes worry about that, don't we? That God can't love us and God won't accept us because of our past. Imagine the peace we can have knowing that God has no record of our past. Imagine the peace that can come from knowing that God has erased past sins from His memory. Imagine the peace that comes from knowing that God isn't looking to punish you, but looking to love you and embrace you and save you through obedience to His will. You see, when we, in obedient faith, embrace Jesus Christ, and we comply with His terms of pardon, and we live His kind of life, all of our past mistakes are erased. God has no record of our past sins or our past mistakes. And we experience peace with God. But Jesus gives us something else. He gives us peace with others. I mean, let's face it. We don't often have peace with others, do we? And don't we oftentimes find that other folks have a way of disturbing our peace? And if we really stop and think about it and look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves, we have a way of disturbing the peace of other people too sometimes. Living at peace with other folks, that's hard work. But Jesus tells us to do it. Paul would write in the Roman letter, chapter 12, verse 18, As much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. The coming of Jesus Christ is a way to provide for me to be at peace with Him. And when I understand that, I can choose, I can choose to experience peace in my relationships. You see, if God can forgive me and restore me, to a right relationship with Him after everything I've done to violate His trust and His love? If God can choose to be at peace with me, then as God is my witness, 
I can choose to be at peace with other people. I can learn to forgive them. I can learn to tolerate their warts. I can learn to tolerate what it is about them that disturbs me and irritates me and affects me like fingernails on a chalkboard. When I choose to live at peace with other people, I'm going to be less inclined to disturb their peace as well. Here's something that's very important. With the coming of Jesus, I can experience peace with myself. One of the great aspects of peace we experience because Jesus came is peace with ourselves. In our more honest moments, we sometimes, to be truthful, don't like ourselves very much, do we? In our more honest moments, we sometimes become aware of our failings, our sin, and our shortcomings. But because of Jesus Christ, I can have peace with me. And I can have this peace and experience this peace, not because what we've done doesn't matter, but because we are a new person in Jesus Christ. Because when we respond to Jesus Christ in obedient faith, when we become Christians, we become new people. Paul said old things are passed away, all things are become new. We're not the same. The old life's behind us and the new life in Jesus has begun. Through Jesus Christ, we can be at peace with ourselves. Not because we're such a great person. That has nothing to do with it. But because in Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. In Jesus Christ, we're not the same old, mean, hurtful, evil, self-centered people we were once before. In Christ, we're forgiven and we're made new. Now, when we come to Christ and all things are made new, that doesn't mean we don't have moments when we fail. We do. All of us do. It does mean that those moments are the exception. They're no longer the rule. It means we're growing in Jesus Christ. And we're becoming more tomorrow than we were yesterday. Jesus Christ coming into this world allows me to experience true love and provides me with lasting peace. And it gives my life purpose. Too many people today, they're just not living their lives, they're just existing. They're moving from day to day and event to event without any real sense of purpose in their lives. 
imagine living life every day with a clear sense of meaning and purpose. And that is to know God, to know God better, and to please God. When we make God the focus of our lives, everything else just fades away. What we have to do is we have to make sure that the coming of Jesus Christ into this world has made a difference in our lives. We need to allow Jesus into our hearts, allow Jesus to take control of our lives so that He'll make a difference. And others will see Him living in us. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there are changes you need to make. If we can help you make changes in your life. To make it plain that Jesus coming has made a difference. Come and let us help you as together we stand. And while we sing.